consider the, the ministry needs of the body, where we are spiritually, what is happening, not, not to try to analyze everybody's heart, by no means doing that, but where are we as a body? You know, where, where in Scripture do we need to go? What do we need to understand? What, what's applicable? What's pertinent to our, our, our walk, our daily walk, our, our individual relationship with the Father? our marriage relationships, our, our body relationships. And it was very unique how the Spirit had been preparing both Pastor Melio's heart and mine on this subject, this topic that we're going to introduce today. By no means get through it all today. Um, but both the Spirit working on us and coming together and saying, yeah, exactly, that's where we need to be. So that that is a great comfort that you know, it was not a personal agenda. It's not a forced agenda. It, it is a work of the Spirit in our body and in our midst. That we 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 are brothers of clay, you know, as well. We 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 suffer. We we need the Lord's help and grace daily, um, especially as servants to you, um, as to be faithful ministers. So, just in light of that, start out with a question to you. How, how do our relationships grow? How do they develop? What are the means that we get to know one another? Times Time one, yeah. Trials and sharing them. Sharing them. We 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 get to know like where are you from? What what's your past? What what have you experienced? You know what do you like? What do you desire? You know what are what are your plans and pursuits as 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 a brother and sister in Christ you know we we develop those relationships as we get to know one another basically and and the same is with the father you know it's not any different with with God he has created us as as relational beings as he is and as created in his image we have this relational characteristic within ourselves that we should, as especially as believers by f- grace and faith in Christ, have a vibrant knowledge and relationship with our Heavenly Father. Amen? So our, our, our blessed hope in having any ability to know God is, is that thankfully God himself has determined to make himself known to us. What, what a... What a just, ponder that for a minute that he has he has chosen and determined to reveal himself to us in his written word the logos and in and through the incarnate word Jesus Christ himself so initially that that knowledge comes to us through the regenerating work and salvation through the holy spirit and hearing the truth of the gospel the word taught and preached to us. Matthew eleven twenty seven says that Christ here talking to his disciples that all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So this is this is the predestinating work of Christ clearly revealed in in this verse and we see that it is God himself doing the revealing not ourselves um 
we realize as believers this side of the cross, as recipients of grace, that this knowledge is not found through our own human efforts. It's not found in human wisdom, what they call a priori. Latin word, excuse me. Through deductive reasoning, through wisdom of the world. You know, it's not something that the world comes up with on their own. 1 Corinthians one twenty one tells us that the world did not know God through its own wisdom, and neither could we apart from Christ. So our, our receiving the revelation of God, our knowing of him is through what we call a, I'm going to spell this right, a posteriori. It's, it's an inductive understanding, reasoning. It is, it is derived from revealed facts that we find in the Word of God. These are the, the truths that we have received, again, through the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can we ever, in this life, fully know God? Can we understand to the fullest extent who He is and everything that it is about Him? Is there any possibility that we will reach some spiritual maturity that we will have attained to a comprehensive? No, absolutely not. But we can know him truly through his word. We can, we can see it as he has revealed it to us. And so this is why, and I'll explain what all these cool graphs mean, you, you guys, some of you are probably very astute. You know where they came from. I know Pastor Emilio does, and I, I, I really appreciate this. The brothers, the, the particular brother that I got this from, this isn't my creation, but his visual imaging of how he looks at this. We're going to begin a study on the attributes of God. Amen. And with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit and the support of my brother here in the Lord, we're going to spend, like I said, 12 to 15 weeks going through this wonderful study. And I can tell you already, none of us are sufficient for these things. None of us are adequate. But we have no excuse. We've, we've got to dive in and pursue this. So this won't be a regurgitation, a superficial level of systematic theology. Again, by God's grace, we're going to dive in deep. Um, brother, I hope that's okay with you. I'm going to give you as much time as you I need. Say, I'm glad your writing was worse than mine. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, amen, amen. Amen, all right. That's, that's just the caffeine. Once the caffeine wears off, you'll be able to read it. No. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. It, you know, in, in honor of Doctor Sproul, I would love to bring in an old-fashioned chalkboard and some chalk. I mean that that has the texture and the feel. Anyway, but like I said, this this is not going to be just a, a review of systematic theology. We we are going to begin. This is all a subset of the doctrine of God that you will find in your systematics, all these attributes. And so 
as as I a, a proper beginning to this, we're looking into the character of God, the aspects of God, His attributes, and I want to start out with, of course, His Word, and I want to consider these scriptures. So please turn with me first to Exodus chapter fifteen, and and stop, interrupt, question anytime in the middle of this. I want this to be an a opportunity to explore our both our necessity to worship, to know the Father, that we might worship him properly and deeply and intimately. So feel feel open to share at any time, okay? So Exodus fifteen verse eleven, the word of the Lord says Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Amen. Turn, I'm sorry, yeah. Turn over to Psalm 89. And I want to. I want these verses. I pray and hope that they will they will set our minds upon the Lord this afternoon and and continue throughout this study. And I do have an assignment coming up for each of us. So, but Psalm eighty nine verses five to eight. The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord? A God greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all those who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is like you, O mighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. Amen. So, in, in introduction, in preparation for this, this study, I want to give us two assignments here. I'm not going to quiz you and test you on them every week, but I pray and hope that you'll take these and meditate on them, maybe even mer- memorize them. I'm sorry, 22, yeah. <laughs> hey. Okay, I'm going to erase the circle here. Okay. Job 22, 21 and 22. Let's turn there. Even though this is Eliphaz exhorting and rebuking Job, this still has truth. This is still God's inspired word to us. And the NASB, it says, it starts out with yield now, but a better rendition of that is know intimately and be at peace with him. Thereby good will come to you. Please, please receive instruction from his mouth and establish his words in your heart. 
This is the desire of this study, that, that the truth as God has revealed himself as we go through each of these attributes, that they will be established words in our heart that will ignite our worship of the living God that will, as, as um, Spurgeon says, it, it, will, it will drown our pride and cause us to exult in our God. In Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast about his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. So as, as our, and I, I pray, you know, this, take these to heart, memorize them, study them, ponder them together, consider them. But as an, as an introduction to our study on the attributes of God, we need to look briefly at, at an aspect to remember in our, in our knowing God and his attributes. We, we need to look con- just briefly to consider his existence, the existence of God and, and the study of theology. And this is some great help from, from Burkhoff here. Where he, he says, you know, we, we must begin with two presuppositions when we come to study God, to know about him. First, that God exists, and second, that he has revealed himself in his inspired word. So, and I'm, I'm continuing in a paraphrase here of Burkhoff, but he says that these presuppositions are not merely that there is something, there, there's an idea or an ideal or some power or this universal tendency that we can apply God's name to but that there is a a self-existent, a self-conscious personal being who is the origin of all things, who transcends all of his creation, but it is is evident within his creation, revealing to us his invisible attributes. And we we know this very well from Romans 1, um, specifically in verse 20, where Paul says that, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. They've been understood through what has been made so that none of us were, are with, were, were all without excuse. So our, the, the truth of God's existence is, of course, to be accepted and, and pursued by an objective faith in and through Christ to the Father himself. And that faith is based on the reliable information, the inspired word of God that we've been given, which is our only source of truth in this life. And while the Bible does not prove the existence of God, we must consider the power and the declaration and what we read in Hebrews 11.6, that without faith it, it is impossible to please him. And for he who comes to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, who diligently seek him. So for the purpose of this study, for us that have been born again, believers in God, who through the grace of God, through the faith in Jesus Christ, we've come to him through his word to know more of his character, his attributes. And the desire here is in order that this will deepen our relationship, our our worship of him, to enjoy him more fully, to find our absolute pleasure in him and this life. So studying the attributes is, is to aid in our maturity, our sanctification. It, it is in order that we may rightly meditate upon him, knowing him more intimately, and not only more accurately and, and understandably, but more respectfully. And we're called, we've been created to be worshipers of him. And we can only experience the, the fullness of God in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, even in our work relationships, as we filled our hearts with him and, and his word. Just what Eliphaz said in Job, that his words may be established in our hearts, that we may be renewed and transformed. Our hearts may be enlarged in faith and worship of him and enjoyment of him. And secondarily, we should study the attributes of our God because for us as believers, we approach God by the gift of faith that he's given us, right? We, we cannot approach him in any other means of our own good works, of our own perceived worth, of anything that we might consider our own self-righteousness. It is by faith through the righteousness of Christ. But Paul reminds Timothy, and he reminds us that this life of faith— is a fight. It's it's a battle, right? <laughs> it, it, it's it's not a, a smooth coaster ride. It is a pursuit. It is an objective faith in Christ that when things in this life aren't going how we would desire or even plan or purpose, e- even in submission to the to the Father's will and desiring to please Him in all aspects, that when those plans are changed or thwarted, our faith in him, our trust in him and reliance in him as the sovereign God has to continue. It must. Otherwise, who who are we believing in? Who are we resting on? I I know I've spoken to several of you about my, my desire as a new pastor, elder, is to wholeheartedly give my time and every effort to the ministry of this body and the study of his word. And I've shared with a few of you about the job approaches and opportunities I've been searching out and in in prayer, in, in obedience to the Lord's will and trusting in him that he'll guide my steps. And was really at last this last week at the point of I've already put together what I perceived as my, my schedule how I'd want to spend my time in, in studying the Greek and ministering to the body and had proposed and talked to Pastor Miller and I about a date of, you know, February 9th is my target to, to give notice and, you know, set me loose. Well, the Lord had other plans. <laughs> um, my, my eyesight 
There's a long history there. If you want to get to the source of my eye problem history, read Proverbs 30, verse 17. Um, and I'd be glad to share that with any of your children at some time, just about not despising your father and and the instruction of your mother. But this week, I well, for several months now, I've been noticing haziness, blurriness in my vision and just trusting God, working through it. That's okay, I'll deal with it. Praise God by your grace. And, you know, a little bit of, you know, I can muscle my way through this. Well, I went to an eye for my eye exam Tuesday and found out I am going to need a couple more surgeries. So my 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 target date just went out. <laughs> Lord knows when. His timing is perfect. But I, I confess to you in all transparency, I was broken. I was disappointed. I was really sad. I was I was verge of anger, and it it took the humbling of the Lord and the the decision to approach a study in the attributes of God to just surrender, you know, that Lord, you, you truly are in control. This this is your timing. Now am I going to back off? By no means. <laughs> I I'm going to pursue this with all the Lord's strength and grace and vigor and zeal because your souls are valuable to me and to the Lord. So Praise God, you know. I, I'm I'm thankful I still have the insurance and can carry through these surgeries. And it may be that once that's done, the Lord willing, my date will just shift. So anyway, just a sidebar of that struggle in faith. Lord, I've got to trust you. That, that Amen. Amen. Yeah, because that the stuff isn't cheap anymore. So yeah, Amen. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm actually um the the doctor who did my last surgery, who's a Mormon, and I've been sharing the gospel with him, so I get another opportunity. <laughs> so and he's gonna see me twice, so it's gonna be yeah. Um so if you if you ever need a Just the, the, really the beauty of his sovereignty, you know, that his, his plans. Let me use an example. This, this is something I, I share with kids, and it kind of helps, helps me visualize God's knowledge and perspective. If, if you stopped and considered the vastness of our entire universe, I know we can't contemplate the extents of that. It's beyond 14 billion miles. We know that. That, that both speaks of the majesty of God, but consider in the middle of the vastness of our universe this pen, and this represents in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the coming of the new Jerusalem, the Alpha and the Omega. The eternality and sovereignty of God is always existent, always present and is very able and active to introduce himself into time to, okay, this is when Chris is going to be saved. This is when I'm going to call him to myself. But every event, every aspect from creation to glory is is contained in this pen. And that God is not so far beyond and detached and away from us, but very present and active 
and caring and loving and merciful in that. That your soul is, is present here in this time, in this span to care for you. And not only that, but I mean, down to the very molecular level of this podium, he is sustaining and supporting all of us. So that's, that's what nailed me again, brother, <laughs> was I, I cannot do anything but worship and praise him and thank him. Though he slay me, yet I will yet praise you and thank you. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes. When we're tempted to think that God let us down somehow, we forgot. We should meditate on his goodness. Amen. Yep. Amen. Right. Right. And um, because because it was very gracious, it was very gracious that he you know, he could have died instantly. Right. But he didn't he not only let him live, but then he let him enjoy things in right. their life, have children, and Amen. he sent to Satan. Amen. I mean if we're talking about hearts, we would have not did anything. And and he re- I know. Yeah, that was a very harsh rebuke he gave, but very gracious, yeah. And, and, and if I may share in parallel with this, I hope you don't mind, brother, pastor, but simultaneously, Lord's given our brother healing and relief from his tailbone. So, this week, so praise God, you know. <laughs> yes, so. That's all right, brother. Hey, I was rejoicing in that, brother. Amen. And and in, in just remembering R.C. Sproul, interestingly enough, the I don't know if you heard his um, the recorded pre-recorded message that was played on the fifteenth, um, that was planned months in advance, talking about from dust to glory and about seeing God. I don't know if any of you listened to that, but even in that, he talked about you know that we all serve a master who is invisible to us, and. We never hear his voice. We, we have never seen him. But we have that promise, that hope in Christ that we will. We will see him. And praise God, he's, he's in his presence right now. But how else are, are we to purify our hearts, to, to help our hearts be transformed, but with the truth of, of who Almighty God is in, in his majesty and that we see the revelation of himself through these glorious attributes. So the intent of this series on the attributes of God is, is yes, to provide us with knowledge, not just facts to store up in our brains and, and challenge one another, you know, but, but to know the invisible God, to, 
to know through his attributes as he has revealed to us in Scripture and in nature. For some of us, this may be new knowledge and understanding. That's wonderful. That's great. But for all of us, it is to help us, as I've been saying in our times of meditation, when we're, when we're alone with the Lord and, and his word, you know, when we're driving in our car, if we're not listening to a podcast or worshiping, you know, where, where do our thoughts take us? Where, where do we focus? You know, when we're enjoying a beautiful sunrise on the front porch, are we in, intentionally reminding ourselves and filling our minds with the considerations, the contemplations of our glorious God and Father, of his attributes, um, striving, desiring that our hearts be enlarged in faith and worship? And it's also important to, to note that these attributes, and I'm getting to these diagrams, appreciate your patience. And again, any, any questions, we're, we're, we are going to get into this, I promise. I just really felt this introduction was necessary just to set our, our hearts in, in tune with the Father. But remember that the attributes of God are, are so harmonious that as they are even revealed to us through the gospel and these are a means of truth that we are to preach to ourselves throughout each day. You know, rather than um, right now, several of us are reading a book by Paul Tripp, and he really over continuously emphasizes the danger of listening to ourselves rather than preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. The truths of God of, yes, I'm going to set my mind on the glorious risen Christ who has redeemed me. And I'm going to serve him with all my might and strength this day to use my hands to honor and worship him, you know, seeking his grace and favor. Rather than listening to ourselves, our potential flesh, the world, um, something that might try to trap us in this world. But Again, the desire we will, we will study and strive to seek and promote in this a very high view of God and of his attributes. I just want to give you a couple quotes from some very godly men to help us as they have struggled and, and, and studied this and pursued this as well. The first, A.W. A.W. Pink, he says, A spiritual and saving knowledge of God is the greatest need of every human creature. A.W. Tozer says that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And Calvin, it is evident that man never attains to a true self-knowledge until he has previously contemplated the face of God and come down after such contemplation to look into himself. And are we, honestly, can we say that we are accustomed, that we practice regular meditation on the personal perfections of God, the attributes of of his being, how often do we, we find ourselves doing this? In, in what ways do we do it? I'm not, I'm not trying to bring condemnation, but just, just consider this. Where do we set our minds? Where do we set our hearts and affections? How, how would high views of God affect 
our daily living. Yeah, amen. Keep us in the reality that we are the clay and the creature. Yeah, amen. How would it affect our worldview in light of all that's going on in Hollywood and government, North Korea? Do we do we fear and panic? Are we are we fretting and cringing and just out buying bomb shelters and <laughs> storing up? Years of food supply and a couple cases of two two three ammo or something I don't know you know it's or are we trusting in the Almighty God, the sovereign creator that says you know i I will care for you i david proclaimed i've I've never seen the righteous go hungry and and alternatively how would how would low views of God impact our daily lives? Why isn't this happening the way I want it to happen? Why does that person keep cutting me off? You know, how come my boss is always giving me the horrible jobs to do? You know? Amen. Because <laughs> remember, Psalm 14, 1, it's the fool that has listened to himself that has said in his heart, there is no God. And in, in those low views of God attitudes and responses, we basically say in part that are you are you really in control? Are you sure about this? So high views of God. Okay. Quiz time. <laughs> what are some of the attributes of God? We've listed a couple. Sovereignty, goodness. Anybody else? Don't be shy. Pardon? Wrath. Yep. Holiness. Justice. Mutability. Okay. Patience, long-suffering. Amen. Faithfulness. What about some of the other omnis? Present. Yep. He is omni love too. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Amen. Okay. Good. Good. So, do we do we look at his attributes? like this as just kind of individual aspects of God, maybe one being bigger than the other, or do we look at it like that? Is that how we consider his attributes? Or or that they kind of, they're on the peripheral that God kind of reveals that one once in a while, or this one, or this aspect? Right, yeah. This This is... This is Wayne Grudem's graphs. I really appreciate these because they, they help us realize that, no, his, his attributes are not like bubbles or aspects that float around that have borders, that one overrides another. His, his, his great racer, sorry. His wonderful graphic 
that I like. If we consider maybe His love, His goodness, His mercy, His grace, His holiness, His wrath, His justice, they're all contained in Him and in harmony with one another in His being, in His existence. That we say, in, like in 1 John 1, 5, God is light, but also in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. That they are both active, present reality in God. And the better understanding of this is, is to call this, this is referred to as, as the simplicity of God, that God is not composed of compartments or 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 parts, separate parts floating around, but there's a, a unity and a harmony within all of his attributes that, that one may be emphasized more at one time over another, but that does not mean it dominates or prevails over another attribute. That each of them are completely true of God and true of all of God's character. Does that does that help? Help you understand? Okay, good. I mean, so, like I said in First John one five, First John four eight, we don't say or mean that God is part light and part love, but or more love than light. But the way you understand this is that God Himself, who is love, love and God himself who is light, God himself who is justice, God himself who is immutable, okay? So his whole being includes all of his attributes in their entirety, not in part, not in fraction, not in you know parcel here and there, but they actually qualify one another as well. And one final quote before we get into our first attribute that we'll get to today. Wow, Lord willing. <laughs> I thought the introduction was necessary, brother. But um, you might recognize this. This was from a young preacher, roughly about, I think he was 20 years old at the time. And he was preaching on Malachi 3.6. And he said this. There, And I'll tell you who it was if you don't already know, there is, there is something exceedingly improving to the mind in a contemplation, and that, that is our, our concentrating upon spiritual realities in our personal devotion, in a, in a contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all of our thoughts are lost in its immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. Other subjects we can, we can compass, we can grapple with. In them, we feel kind of a self-content and go our way with the thought that, mm, behold, I am wise. But when we come to this master science, we find that our plumb line cannot sound its depth, that our eagle eye cannot see its height. We, we turn away with a solemn exclamation, I am but of yesterday and know nothing. 
But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. Nothing will be so will so enlarge the intellect. Nothing will so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continuing investigation of the great subject of the deity. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. So any any questions, any discussion on that large introduction? Amen. All right. Our first attribute, and I picked the toughest for to start with. So we may go into next week, I don't know. The aseity of God comes from the Latin ase, a roots meaning from self. Okay? Another way to describe it, you probably heard, is his solitariness, or better yet, is his eternal self-existence. And this is going to blow your mind, so hang on. (laughs) We, as you know, are the creature. We are the ones who are created in the image of God. We are the clay. We are fashioned intricately made, woven, we are born, we have a beginning of days, we are given life, and we have a life for a specific number of days. Then we we die, we return to the dust, and the number of our days in this life comes to an end. Even more glorious, even more wonderful, God is the great I Am. He has no beginning. He was already present, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. There is no time when he did not exist. He did not rule. He did not reign. Psalm 93.2, your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. Psalm 90, verse 2. David declares that before the mountains were born or gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We have birth dates. God has none, save for the incarnation of Christ. But even he existed from all eternity in the Godhead as the eternal Son. There is also no time in the present or in the future when God will not cease to exist or, or when he will cease to exist. And in his eternal state, he is not dependent upon anyone or anything. There was never a time that he was not God, nor a time in the future when he will cease to be God or diminish as God, or change in any way. God does not need replenishment. He does not receive life from another outside of himself. He is not like a generator that needs a, a supply of fuel to from an external source in order to provide power and energy to supply light. He does not need any manner of outside source of supply, nor 
is there any unfulfilled aspect of his being that needs love, that needs consolation, and in all reality, he does not need any of his creation in order to satisfy himself or his existence. And we can consider it this way as well. Because there exists something now in the present, our created world, we can see the creation of God, we, we are here present with one another. This, this presupposes by necessity that there has always been something, okay? That something is God himself, the, the eternal God. Isaiah 43.10, the latter part of that verse, the Lord himself declares, before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. God absolutely rules over the entire cosmos down to the very details of our individual lives. And even, as I said earlier, a microscopic level, he sustains the very atoms and molecules of everything around us. Where do we get this? Colossians 1.17, that he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. This is so worthy of our consideration and thanksgiving and praise, but how do we wrap our minds around this? I, I meant to go into the example of the pen or now, but we know that. Consider that. God is the ultimate source of all things. And our magnificent, hugely vast, yet so very finite universe owes its entire existence to an infinite God and creator. So how do we respond? How do we consider these, these amazing truths? Reverently, as Gail said, in humility, the humble heart, we ask, why would an eternal, all-sufficient, fully self-sustaining, majestic, triune God and I cannot add enough description, but why would he choose or determine to create what we know as our universe, our planet, ourselves, this church? Since he existed eternally without anything or anyone else in the universe, was it because he was lonely? Did, did he need to prove something? Was there a motivation behind this that had to be dealt with, Paul would say, may it never be, because we know that the three persons of the Trinity enjoyed perfect satisfaction and fellowship and love and delight in one another from eternity past and into eternity future. God created the universe and all that is within it, not by any necessity of his own, but entirely for his own glory, and according to his good pleasure. There was no lack in his being. There was no constraint or obligation. Nothing said that he must do this. And believe it or not, none of us were entitled to be created. We carried no voice or say in when or how we would be born, who our parents would be, 
where would we be born, what benefits in this life, how healthy we would be, how riddled with cancer we would be, whatever it is, nothing was required to come into existence. It was God's self-determined act to display his power and glory of his love and his majesty. Do you have a question, brother? Oh, yes, okay. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Let's, yep, let's, uh, let's end there, and I'll, I'll pick up next time. That's all right, brother. All right. All right. Let's, let's, go, let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you, Almighty God, for choosing to reveal yourself to us in and through your holy word, in and through your Son. And, oh, Father, in the, the realities of these truths that have been made known to us by your grace and your goodness, Father, may we now gather in worship and awe of your holy name and who you are for your glory And Lord, for our good, bless our service, Father. Bless our worship and the preaching of your word. May our hearts and minds and ears be open to your truth. In Jesus' holy name, amen.